I'm Tara Morgan. And I'm Rachel Friedman. Here at Steady State Podcast, we are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing stories about the humanity of our sport, we're disrupting the narrative about rowing culture and celebrating real-life experience from launch to cockseat at every level. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're coming back for another episode, thanks for being here. On the last episode, young coaches Jalen Baldwin, Angelina Koch, and Fabi Velazquez let us in on what young coaches are thinking about and how they're approaching leadership. With the help of our Changemaker Scholarship Initiative, these three coaches were able to attend the 2023 U.S. Rowing Annual Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey. We talk with them about putting new coaching concepts into practice, DEI and community outreach, stepping out of your comfort zone, coaching the whole athlete, and more. If you missed it, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or anywhere you get podcasts. Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Concept2, making world-class rowing products since 1976. Find out more at concept2.com. And Live Two Row Studios, live, online, and in-person indoor rowing classes, training camps, and coaching for every body. Visit www.live2rowstudios.com. Today, we're heading to California to go behind the scenes of the San Diego Crew Classic, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Crew Classic Regatta Director Bobby Smith is also a master's rower and coach in San Diego, and for the past year has been planning this event with Associate Director Megan Calmo. Megan, who is currently training for an historic 5th Olympic team, began her racing career at Crew Classic when she was a novice at the University of Washington. Coxon and Beachmaster Lex Switzer also joins the conversation about this West Coast regatta that kicks off sprint season in the United States. I'm Bobby Smith. I'm Megan Calmo. I'm Lex Switzer. And you're listening to Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Good yeah. morning. Good morning, guys. Sorry, I'm a little behind. I'm a little scattered today. I'm in the conference room of shame, so... Oh. I don't know. There's just like regatta supplies everywhere right now. Yeah. I'm behind a wall of boxes. Um, this is what we call uh, the team huddle. And this is as if we are at our first day of practice and you're all just going around and saying who you are. My name is Bobby Smith. My pronouns are she, her. I learned to row in college. I rowed for UCLA, Los Angeles Rowing Club, Long Beach Rowing Association, SoCal Scholars. San Diego Rowing Club, and I've competed for Undyne Barge. Today, I'm the executive director at the San Diego Crew Classic, and I row because at this point in my career, I'm also a coach, and I say that my purpose is to empower young women through the sport of rowing. Hi, my name is Lex Switzer. I use the pronouns they, their, or they, them. I learned to row in college at the United States Naval Academy located in Annapolis, Maryland. I've rowed for the United States Naval Academy. I've rowed for Zlac, which is a crew based out of San Diego. I have also rowed for multiple teams all over the country, uh, coxed for master's teams, 
and I am home-based out of Texas. So my home team, my club team is Texas Rowing Center. I'm in Austin, Texas. I am the head beach master for the San Diego Crew Classic. And I cox because it is the one place that I find my mind is completely focused as a individual who has ADHD. Um, rowing keeps me focused. I feel zen in the moment and I love, love coxing, love being part of that team. I'm in the United States Marine Corps, so I'm also a part of a team in my work life. I just want to say, while I am in uniform, my opinions and comments reflect my own and do not represent that of the United States Marine Corps. And my rowing week is going great. Uh, 10, 9, 10. <laughs> I'm super excited about a regatta that I'm the head beach master for, San Diego Crew Classic. And I just can't wait to get on the water and see all the amazing teams that are going to be out there. So that's, that's me. All right, Megan, your turn. My name is Megan Calmo. My pronouns are she, her. I learned to row in Seattle, Washington at the University of Washington. Since then, I have rowed on many national teams, basically every team from 2008 until 2021. I did miss the 2018 team, but every other one in between there. I also have represented the New York Athletic Club, and I'm currently a member at ZLAC in San Diego, where I'm rowing every day. I row because most of my rowing career has been either collegiate or uh, elite level rowing. And with those two kinds of rowing, I feel like there is a time limit on it. There's really only so long that you get to be a collegian, so you have to take advantage of it when you get to do it. And then elite rowing, there's also a time limit, though. I think I'm trying to extend what that time limit look, looks like for women in the United States. Um, I'm attempting to make my fifth Olympic team, which has never been done before. So I am rowing because it is something that I'm only going to be able to do for these next couple of years. And it's something that no other American woman or American rower has ever done. So that's why I'm doing it now. Uh, it's a little crazy, but that is why. Um, on a scale of one to 10, my rowing week is going pretty medium. We're having somewhere uh, in between highs and lows. You caught me on a day where I just hit a buoy out on Mission Bay today. So that was probably a one or a zero. Uh, but we did an, a 2K erg test earlier in the week and did some pieces on the water with USD. And that was really fun. So it kind of evens out probably at a five. Amazing. Amazing. The fifth Olympics. Not guaranteed. Just we're right. going to give it a shot and see what happens. Working okay. towards it. And we're just going to say that that buoy, you know, you just got it out of your system, right? You just <laughs> right. one whack, got it out of your system, moving are you, on. And are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? Uh, I'm only emotionally damaged, but okay. other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> is yeah. the boat okay? <laughs> I think the boat is okay, but we actually don't know. Okay. So we hit it with our oars, which is the best way to do it if you're going to do it, because oars are easier to replace than a boat. Where was it? That's what I want to know. It's the white channel marker on the Big Bay side of Shortbridge. No reason to hit that one. No reason at all to hit it. So. <laughs> Were you in a coxed boat? No. I am the coxswain. I am the bow seat of, of a double. The oh, only okay. reason that we hit it was because I didn't look. There's no good reason at all. It was not not good coxing, not good bousy. It was, I should have turned around and I didn't. 
One thing we like to do every episode to help our listeners get to know our guests is we put you in the hot seat for a lightning round of questions we call rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. The order is going to be Bobby, Lex, Megan. Okay. Port or starboard? Both. Both. Starboard or sculling? Uh, head race or sprint race? Head race. Sprint. Oh, this is really hard. I like Probably passing sprint. people. Head races are fun because you get to pass people. That's fun. Oh, you can pass people in a sprint. Yeah. Well, Let's yeah, just be yeah, clear. <laughs> Passing people in a sprint is arguably way more fun than passing them in a head race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to call that freight train. Like they'd call yeah. the coxswain would the coxswain would call freight train and we would just be like, oh, I would kill off other rowers from other teams because I would know their names. So I'd be like, seven seat, Sarah, nail in the coffin. Let's go. Let's like take out seven seat. And then you just like, you could like see the, like, holy shit, they know our names. And it would just like pump up my team. They'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, Megan, that's your seat. That's your seat. Sarah and seven seat, go get her. And they'd be like, oh my God. So uh, memorize the other team's lineups too. Unisuit or tank and trow? Tank and trow. Tank and trow. Unisuit and never tank and trow. Absolutely 100% unisuit all the time. Never tank and trow ever. T-shirt and trow maybe. Favorite Cox command to give or receive i don't really listen to coxswains as much as maybe i should <laughs> i don't have one i'm oh, so sorry oh you know what actually i like when for the last 10 strokes they call the seats in the boat like they call the they'll start with bow like call that person's name instead mm-hmm. of like taking a last 10 i do like that sorry lex they look horrified <laughs> this is terrible uh I definitely don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite anything, but I definitely don't have a favorite call. I think it would either be pry, which would be the first stroke of the race, or way enough, which is the end <laughs> for them. Because I think that's what they're <laughs> excited about is the end. So I always say, they after yeah. the race, and I never let them stop rowing right after the race. So it's probably strokes after that. So I'd say my favorite call is way enough because it, it's over megan you are we one? are you sure we're allowed to cuss because i'll oh. say it in voice if you want me okay. to say it oh 100 100 please go ahead <laughs> uh, my favorite one to give probably also to receive would be we are fucking walking like that something like that mm. oh i love that <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah so a well-timed f-bomb sorry you can bleep that out but yeah well-timed f-bomb is pretty good for me no, I, I love that. And truthfully, yeah, you can let them fly here. We don't have any rules, regulations, FCC rules, whatever. We're also not prudes. <laughs> and one thing that we do when we lead our steady state Sunday erg workouts is we actually do a call for swearing because it has been scientifically oh. proven that when you swear, when you work out, you're stronger and have more oh, success. So that makes sense. Drop the bombs. Oh, um... Next question, best place to row and why? Mission Bay, because you can go for like 20K and you're almost always in a different place. I love the fact that we just can go and go and go. Switzerland, uh, even though I haven't been there, it's definitely on my list. We get that answer a lot, actually, the the Lucerne. Isn't that Lucerne? Yeah, we get that answer quite a bit. I think it would be great for not what 
that location is known for, which is the final regatta for the Olympic trials but the just the water in a more in a different scenario where that that pressure is not on i think i would i would love to to be out there yeah with with rowers who are more relaxed and want to be out there too i agree it looks like a beautiful place to be megan in your long list of places you've rowed favorite place and why uh lifeblood in slovenia there was not one time that i launched onto that lake that i didn't like feel just awestruck by how beautiful it was there like it didn't get old during the entire time I was there both times we've gotten that one uh just as often I think uh from our elite rowers they they usually name Lucerne or Lake Blood for sure yeah yeah it's stunning if you've never been put it on your bucket list because it is outrageous oh oh this one's really good who's your favorite team to cheer for I'm just gonna sound like a San Diego like commercial but of course, San Diego Rowing Club, because I coach them and I love cheering for my team. Close second, though, I will say, because I coached for them for five years as Marina Aquatic Center as well. I like I like cheering for both. I'm going to have to go with for collegiate. I'll go with Texas, uh, you know, from Texas. My uh, partner graduated from Texas. And for club, I'm going to go with my home team, which is TRC, Texas Rowing Center. Megan, who's your favorite? Oh, University of Washington, Huskies all the way. Huskies all day. Yep. Okay, we got two more questions. What is your least favorite thing about rowing? Blisters. Say again? Blisters. I totally thought you said masters. And I was like, (laughs) oh, we're going there. (laughs) I would never say that. I know. And I was like, did she? Yeah. blisters they are the worst <laughs> they are and I have to say one year we had like we have those plastic adjustable shoes at SDRC oh the heel blisters oh those are the worst they're way worse than hand blisters I can deal with hand blisters but heel blisters oh yeah. it's another level man you have to take care of your feet I'm finding in San Diego because everyone here wet launches so you yes. start every single workout with wet feet Yes. And so if you get a blister, you're going to have that blister for probably two months minimum. Yeah. It's very different than doing if you get a little blisty and then you get a, a nice dry dock to launch from. That's not the same thing at all. It's very different here. Learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. We wet launch here on Bashan Island and it's brackish water like yours, you know, it's salt water mm-hmm. and uh, it's very cold and it's not the cleanest. And it's just, yeah, you got to make sure you're no open stuff. Like don't get mm-hmm. hurt, you know, don't nick yourself. So Bobby doesn't like um, blisters, like least favorite thing about rowing and coxing. I would say, well, rowing and coxing, I feel like they're definitely different, but if I'm going to encompass the whole sport, I love the sunrise. I don't like waking up at like 3.50 in the morning, which is what I had to do when I was rowing on Mission Bay. Mm. That was that was a bit early for me. So uh, I think I... I'm okay with sunrise, but 350 is that's reaching my limits. Yep. Yep. Oh, Megan's mm-hmm. thinking hard about this. I really am. Okay. I, anyone who's rowed with me knows that my list of pet peeves when it comes to rowing is so long. I'm like such a picky person about some of this stuff. So I have to pick one. Um, probably rowing in white capping crosswind. That would be my least favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. Seems reasonable. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The least fun. 
um, mm -hmm. situation. Absolutely. Okay, Tara, we got one more question for him. Okay, last one, super simple. Coffee before or after a row? Bobby. Before, but I, I have to state, I actually don't drink caffeine anymore. So I just drink the coffee because it's like comforting. Yes, fair enough. Lex. I drink coffee before, during, and after. I'm actually so known for it that I have special mugs that I bring in the boat to protect the boat and my coffee. Ooh. It's got like double locking system. So, I mean, this thing, I could throw it into the ocean and then take it back and it still, I could still drink the coffee inside it. Tara and I often talk about the fact that there should be cup holders in boats. Like they would be super helpful. Megan, are you a coffee drinker? Yeah, most of the days I'm a decaf coffee person. I save caffeinated coffee for race days. Um, oh. I used to not do coffee after rowing, but now that I go straight to work for the crew classic after training, I usually have more decaf or calf, depending on which day it is. Um, so both, I guess now. This has been great. So now we're ready to dive in, get a little deeper. Yeah, so I wanted to preface this with, um, we know we came to you because of the Crew Classic, but the gist of our podcast is the people behind the Crew Classic. So we're going to be asking you questions about you and we are in your sporting life and your rowing life. And of course, this is all packaged in, yay, 50th anniversary of the Crew Classic. Okay, so Megan, we want to start with you. So can you tell us about how, uh, what was going on when rowing came into your life? Sure. I had just finished my first year at the University of Washington. So I lived my freshman year there as like a normal student um, going to school. I had a part-time job and um, was partying a lot and had a great time, but I had really started missing being an athletic and active person. So I found out kind of through people around me in my dorm and things like that, that the University of Washington um, offered walk-on opportunities for the rowing team, which I had never heard of. I didn't know anything about rowing, but the women that were rowing and let me know that it was an option kind of looked like me. They were similar size and shape and all of those things. So I went down there and did an informational meeting and was like, oh, I can probably do this. I don't know. I like water. I'm from the land of 10,000 lakes. I can do this. I got it. So yeah, and I thought it would be fine. And it was actually really hard. And I wanted to quit all the time. Um, but being from the land of 10,000 lakes, I'm a kind of a Nordic Germanic breed and we are very stubborn people. So I couldn't let myself quit before I'd at least finished one season. And luckily I kind of squeezed my way into the first novice boat that year and got to go and race and do all the fun stuff that comes after you do all the hard stuff from winter training and things like that. And the fun stuff outweighed the crappy stuff for me. So I kind of got the bug and still have it all these years later, I guess it's like 20 years at this point. Who was your coach over at Washington at the time? I rode for Eleanor McIlvain for all four years at the University of Washington. She was the novice coach there for a long time. Yeah. And then um, I came in right as Jan Harville was retiring. So um, Eleanor got hired and promoted up to the varsity coach as I also got promoted to varsity. So she coached me all four years and she also happened to coach the under 23 team the one year that I did under 23s. So she was my only coach for my, my first few years of rowing before I joined the national team. I rode for Eleanor also at Conabare. Yeah, she's a superstar. Totally. I love her and, and think of her all the time because I would not be here if it wasn't for her. Yeah, and I often 
navigate my life in terms of like, what would Eleanor say about this? Like, <laughs> you know, we, when we would always say, roll like Eleanor is watching you. I think that's a pretty solid mentality. You're yeah. not going to stray far from the the path of righteousness if you're uh... exactly. <laughs> you'll be you'll be you'll be successful for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Bobby, you wrote at UCLA, and Lex, you were at the U.S. Naval Academy. How did each of you end up on your collegiate rowing program path? I was a walk on my freshman year, and at the time at UCLA, it was actually a club team. So, um, you know, I actually fell in love with the sport enough to pay for it all four years. And a year after I left UCLA, I was added back as a varsity sport, got to attend all of the meetings for that to like convince them that it was the sport versus, you know, lacrosse at the time. It was not an easy path. So like, I really had to fall in love with the sport. I still, I had a job. I was also an engineering major, like everything about my, I don't know, when I look back, I'm like, what was wrong with me? Everything about my life was hard. And yet there was this thing that like, I just loved that made it even harder. But you know, that's the sport. I think it, it really attracts people who like to work hard. And that's what I love about it. And that's what I love about coaching it too, is women that work hard are successful in life. Had you been athletic before walking on to UCLA squad? So I was the most improved volleyball player on my high school volleyball team three years in a row. So it turns out not good at ball sports, very good at repetitive motion sports. So I wish I had found something like that in high school. You know, to Bobby's point, the hardworking part, there has never been a woman collegiate rower who has failed out of OCS, which is officer candidate school. Never. The women collegiate rower athletes make great Marine Corps officers. That's a great <laughs> recruiting tool mm-hmm. for both Marines and rowing. <laughs> How did you end up coxing with the U.S. Naval Academy squad? I was also a walk-on. I have to weigh in all of the academy we go through this in processing thing when we arrive uh, we get height weighted all our vaccines like we go through this long line so and in that process I was like talking to someone I wasn't supposed to be talking and someone saw me and was like and I had just weighed in and they were like you you're like 95 pounds show up at this time at this place and I thought I was in trouble I had no idea where I was going and it turns out I went to like a, a team meeting and they're like, yeah, we found another coxswain right here. Uh, and I was like, what is that? What is a sport? Never heard of it. I did do four sports in high school. So I did wrestling, basketball, cross country, track and field. So I was not new to the sports world, but um, rowing was a new one for me. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I became a student of the sport. I mean, every day I was listening to Cox and recordings. I was looking up information from coaches and I just consumed that knowledge like a sponge. So I started off in the, um, the, we had multiple eights, obviously, and then fours, um, the three fours. And I worked my way up into the first four and coxed that. And then, uh, growing or growing junior, senior, sophomore, junior, senior year competed at the Patriot league, which is our, the Naval Academy conference. And we won that. And then we went on to compete at NCAAs, which was an incredible experience. After that, I graduated, commissioned the United States Marine Corps and was done with the sport of rowing for a little bit until I found the crew classic. I was big into volunteering. 
and I found the crew classic and just all over again, I was like, this is the place for me and have not left it since. So I guess I've been coxing going on 10 years and I cox all over the country and look to go internationally soon. I just want to give a shout out to Lex really quickly. They showed up to a crew classic that was like, they didn't really have a good beach master lead and kind of took it on and has ever since been our beach master lead. So doing an amazing job and I really appreciate them. Aw. Thanks, Bobby. So Bobby, you told us a while ago that your very first 2K was the Crew Classic. Do you remember that experience? I do. I, I don't know that I remember the 2K itself as much as I remember being in like the van with all of the other athletes. By the way, by van, I mean the van that I and my family owned that we drove the entire team around in. I, my freshman year of college, got more parking tickets than you can imagine in Los Angeles because I was the only way we could get to practice. Nice. And I remember staying like at one of my teammates' houses who lived in Chula Vista and um, walking around with my coach in like the vendor tents area and stuff. I do not honestly remember that 2K. I think I was just like so in awe of what was going on because to me, it was such a big event that I don't really remember the 2K itself. <laughs> Maybe it's best, right? Block, <laughs> block that part out. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's actually a choice. And the Crew Megan, Classic was actually my first race as well. I told you I made the first novice eight at Washington. So this was the first race of our season. So that was sort of like the big carrot for all the novices was like, who wants to go to San Diego? I remember Eleanor um, yelling that at us on probably our last 6k when I was probably trying to break 24 minutes. And the only thing that I remember about it, like Bobby, I don't really remember the race, how it played out itself. What I remember afterwards is getting back on land, putting the boat away and then walking around the venue and asking Eleanor, like kind of aside being like, Eleanor, is it supposed to hurt that much? And she was like, yes, that is correct. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. And that was that. That was the end of the conversation. Oh, well, you know, it could hurt even more because it only yeah. hurts more. It never hurts less. It never hurts less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. That's how I feel when people tell me the erg isn't that bad. And I'm like, you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. You're missing the point. Yeah, when I work with new rowers and they're like, my legs feel great. I'm like, okay, let's break this down. Let's see how we can fix this. <laughs> Home buyers are flocking to Maine for mountain, lake, and ocean access. Friendly neighbors, and above all, relaxation like you'll find nowhere else. If the vacation land lifestyle is one you'd like to explore, reach out to the folks at the Breakwater Realty Group, brokered by EXP Realty. With agents up and down the coast and inland to the mountains, they'll provide the friendly expertise needed to get you into your next home in Maine or New Hampshire. Learn more or contact the team by visiting breakwaterrealtygroup.com. CityScape Podcast is made possible with listener support. Become a patron today for early access to episodes, discounts on CityState Network swag, and invitations to patron-only events. Find out more at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. In two, we're back with Bobby Smith, Megan Calmo, and Lex Switzer. 
That's one, two. Lex, do you remember the first time you went down that course and lined up and the crosswinds and all of that? So I haven't actually coxed the crew classic um, that much, but I do remember my first time. Uh, I didn't cox the San Diego crew classic until I was out of college. The oh. women's Naval Academy, women's and men's um, weren't at the crew classic when I was in college. The first time I was supposed to cox the crew classic was for Zlack and it was, and then COVID happened we were super ready to go and then it didn't happen. Um, so the, the first time I coxed for crew classic was, was for TRC and we won, we won first place. And I remember there is this, and we talk about it in the coaches Cox and meeting. There's this line, this diagonal line that appears like halfway down the course. Mm-hmm. And it's, and if you're not used to it or you don't know it's there it can be really disconcerting because it's just like this diagonal it's the diagonal um optic and that that can really just mess you up next thing you know you get a boat going you know 45 degrees not in the right direction so that diagonal can you explain to folks who haven't been on the course what is happening there and And do you see it from the as a i don't remember do you see it as a rower or only as a coxswain well, I mean, you shouldn't see it as a rower because you should not be looking outside the boat. I guess theoretically, I just mean in the opposite the direction. Does it show up in the opposite direction? It doesn't. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, think I'm it would sure. only show up in the opposite direction if the person had caught it, if your coxswain had caught it. I okay. will say the reason for that was that our lanes were yellow, like the buoys were yellow than black. And in rougher water, the black buoys would kind of disappear. So for this year's crew classic, they're yellow and green. Mm-hmm. So you should no longer just see a line of yellow buoys. You'll see yellow, green, yellow, green versus yellow and green. So that would be the clue to like, oh, this is not the path. Oh, so I so think the, we've fixed it. Oh, so the black buoys made it seem like there weren't any buoys there. And so you were, oh, I see. Okay. Wow. That would be very disconcerting if you were. And the option. optical illusion only happens at like, you only see it like kind of when you're on on the course so you can kind of describe it it's it's hard to see from shore but you it's it's very apparent once you're on the course you're like oh this is the optical illusion um and then we just tell people during the coxswain's coaches meeting and and then hopefully they pay attention yeah exactly there are things that people always talk about with with rowing in mission bay the wind being uh number one that i've heard about if someone's getting ready to go to the classic for the first time Um, What would you tell them about navigating that either as a rower or a coxswain? What are your tips for people who might be on their way to the classic right now about these kind of famous aspects of Mission Bay? Mission Bay is not for the faint of heart, for sure. You definitely have to have a a hardiness and a, a firm constitution to come and do well here and thrive on Mission Bay. But that having been said, the Crew Classic course is awesome. You get to, to, to race through a really iconic venue with great views of the beautiful, beautiful setting of San Diego and SeaWorld and the beach. And all of those places are very vibrant and active. Like San Diegans don't go away just because the Crew Classic is going on. So you get to really be kind of in the middle of, a, of an urban setting, which is not always the case for, for rowing venues, which I think is really cool. Um, I think in terms of being prepared for handling those things, Lex should definitely lead that part of the conversation. 
Uh, well, first, I would say that, as we all know, rowers row well regardless of conditions. So conditions should not uh, hopefully affect, you know, it's a mindset. So be ready to take on Mission Bay. Um, as Megan said, it's not for the faint-hearted, but it is the beginning of your spring season. So be excited. Take that in. Like, enjoy that. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. For rowers, put sunscreen on. For coxswains, also put sunscreen on. But this is your opportunity to get on the water, do a beach launch, which I know not many people get to do. So do a beach launch um, and, and really have that command presence with your team. Start your team off just leading them to a fantastic race, regardless of the results, get out onto a beautiful venue. Cox around the Crescent Island, have a wonderful warm-up in SeaWorld Channel and just be ready to take on that 2K race course uh, and enjoy it. Enjoy it because it is, you only get to be a collegiate coxswain once. You only get, once you're done with juniors, you're done with juniors and and masters, welcome. Welcome to the world of masters rowing because we are really lucky that we get to have this amazing water. I'm really glad that you mentioned masters because I know that that's, that's a, a newer thing for, for the regatta. And um, I had the chance uh, as a masters coxswain to coxswain 2019 out there. And at that point, I had been rowing, coaching, and coxing for nearly 20 years at the master's level, which is 1K. <laughs> so getting on a 2K course, yeah, by 1K. And I was like, holy crap, this is far. And I had to totally change my coxin plan, philosophy. You got twice as much to talk about. <laughs> so funny you say that because I came from collegiate rowing into master's rowing. So mm -hmm. trying to adapt my 2K race plan to a 1K, nothing, right. it just, there was not enough meters on the water. So I was super excited for crew classics. I was like, yes, I can use a race plan that is uh, tried and true. Yeah. I've heard a couple of funny things about this race. Uh, I had met a coxswain from Bates College uh, back east, and they said their cox box went out and in the race, and they had a move called, they called it the flutter where they would basically throw in a running start, you know, and, and do a flutter. And they actually figured out how to stand up in the boat and scream flutter or stand up somehow during the race because the gox box went out. And um, that, they always love that story because it was just like, no, they were really committed to the flutter. Like they really needed to execute that, which was. Have, have you guys ever done a flutter? I had a coach one year that thought that this was a brilliant addition to our race strategy. And I have a few thoughts about it. I've never done a flutter in, or I I'd call it a rowing start. I've, um, I've never done one in a sprint race. I've done them in a head race after a, having to slow down to ensure there wasn't a collision. I've done them in head races to regain speed after having to slow down to mitigate a collision. And I do recommend them and I do recommend coxswains practice them with their crews. Um, I, I think for me, the crew classic, I've been with Conabare and with Eleanor and Megan, you'll like this story. It's, it's, uh, we were out there and it, we were the way Eleanor masterminded that year was we had two age group boats and then we had an open boat and it was the top four of each age group boat got to be in the open boat and which I thought was a great idea. And by some 
miracle of God, I was elected to be in that boat, um, in the open boat, which was with all of my heroes, my personal rowing heroes and teammates. Um, and going down that course in that open boat, I have never experienced per a perfect stroke before. It's been years. And we still, to this day, are like, we had the perfect start. We had the perfect saddle length. And, but it was the recommit at the halfway mark. I mean, there's no words. We still talk about it. And Megan, you'll appreciate this. When we got back to land, to the shore, Eleanor said to our boat in the debrief, you know, she's a woman of few words. And yeah. she said, that was a boat I wish I had been in. Oh my. <laughs> well, that is something. Uh, no. We were like, <laughs> just stop time right here. Like, we're good. We're good. Whoa. Yeah. So good. That's major. Listen to more episodes about everything from indoor rowing to rowing across oceans. Search the podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen on your favorite podcast app. Follow Steady State Network on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and join our email list at SteadyStateNetwork.com. In two, we're back with Bobby Smith, Megan Calmo, and Lex Switzer. That's one, two. And I always feel so fondly about San Diego. And then, of course, being from the Pacific Northwest, we need sunshine. Like we are desperate for sunshine and San Diego is such a wonderful kickoff to the season and um, a kickoff to Windermere Cup and opening day. And this year it is the 50th anniversary of the Crew Classic. Bobby, you've got a pretty deep understanding of the history of the Crew Classic and you've told us before what it means to the rowing community and where it stands in the legacy of the community. Would you mind sharing with us how the event got started and what it stands for? Well, it started because a lot of the collegiate teams out here on the West Coast rarely saw the collegiate teams from the East Coast. So it was an opportunity to bring the competition out here. So in the very first one, it was the University of Washington and Navy who competed. They were like the major men's teams. And it was initially, you know, men's race. Um, and then slowly but surely. But I there were women's events. There were always women's events. But I, what I was going to say, though, is I know that Patty Wyatt, who was one of the founders, also fought, she was one of the first ones to fight to extend the women's distance to 2K. So it also has a, a history in regards to women's rowing in that it's been a strong supporter. And I think that's incredibly obvious this year with the nine women's teams that are coming. We have Texas, so defending NC2A champions. We have Stanford, who came in second. We have the University of Washington and Cal. All of those are top, are they top six teams, I think, on the women's side, which is yep. amazing. Plus, we have Oxford Brooks coming from the UK. And we also have the women's defending Olympic champions in the eighth row Canada coming to race as an exhibition team. Are you race. So like, serious? What? Is like one of the best women's races I think you could possibly see. So How cool. um, we're very excited on the men's side. We have Cal also defending IRA champions, current reigning IRA champions rowing against Oxford Brooks. And again, rowing Canada is coming too. So the men's team, you know, they prefer duels and the women's side, they like, a, you know, good old drag race, five, six boats across. So everybody's getting what they want and um, it should be, it should be an amazing year. But in regards to the history of it, 
over the last 50 years, it has definitely been instrumental, I think, in regards to collegiate rowing and slowly has expanded into youth rowing and masters rowing as well. And we just keep expanding the regatta and the rowing season starts here is our motto. It's one of the earliest 2Ks you can do in the U.S. and people just, they love the race. So you, you touched on the fact that the regatta has been changing over the years, built initially as a collegiate event. You've added in juniors, adaptive, and this year you're doing something a little bit different as well, right? Adding some master's events to help bring in a different group of people who maybe in the past have been a little bit nervous about racing up against opens. Is that right? Yes. Our goal was to expand the sport of rowing to give people an opportunity that are new to the sport. So we wanted to create something for them that's specifically to allow them to have the experience without feeling like they finished minutes behind everybody else. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the, what I call elite masters. So like Endeavor, Chinook, um, 1980 team, you know, all the like former elite Olympic combinations, college club, even I would put into that category. Um, on Rolodex cruise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely like private teams. They're trial private travel teams. It's like, if your kid played soccer and you put them on a select soccer team and, and they paid sure. to travel same thing. I always wondered, I love that there's this novice inclusive aspect of the masters who are newer to the sport, but has there ever been a discussion about an elite masters category? Because I've raced against them at crew classic. And it was like, there's, Oh, there goes that crew. And then here we are. <laughs> all the like regular, like moms and people who work full-time who, you know what I mean? And, and no diss on them at all, but it just wasn't a good match. Um, and since that's taken off a bit more, I wonder if elite masters would ever exist or is that just totally ridiculous? Like nanny? I, I haven't given that any thought, uh, elite masters. I mean, it's an interesting idea and the reason we added these races this year was to expand the sport. I feel mm -hmm. like the elites are always going to race, so they don't necessarily need help. But I get that, like, what you're saying is that this would support the rest, the other people. For when Megan eventually retires, that she, you know, she's 55 years old and she's racing in an eight somewhere. Anyone who's listening to this, do not call me when I am 55 <laughs> to row in your boat. I will say no. <laughs> save, your, save your cell phone minutes. Don't call me. <laughs> well, I like what Bobby was saying that your whole MO is to make the event inclusive and grow the event to invite more people into the sport. And way early on in the, in the discussion, you talked about how important that aspect of it is to you. So when we talk about elite things or exclusive things, that's really the antithesis of what you feel like the legacy of the crew classic needs to be this year. And what the message of the crew classic is on its 50th anniversary. I would say Wait. yes. I think we I think we need to expand the sport. And masters is an area where it's easy to expand it because you're a masters from the time you're like 21. But I would say we definitely want elite rowers too. It's not that we're like, oh, we don't want those people. We want everyone. We want to just create more opportunities in the sport. Mm -hmm. I think the more opportunities, the better. And the way for this sport to grow is yes, with youth, but also, like I said, you're a master's from the time you're like 21. You graduate from college, you're a master's rower, and that's mm -hmm. to the end of your life. So there's a lot more opportunity there, I think, for growth in the sport than there is for people between the ages of 13 and 21. 
Are, are you running your youth events this year, like all the other regattas with the U15, U17, U19, instead of varsity, junior varsity, novice, like all of those combinations? We are. We actually started that last year. We just followed U.S. rowing. And part of that is, I mean, I'm a youth coach and I wanted to make sure that my athletes were able to compete in events that translated well to their regional championship so that they, you know, got to race their lineups. And then a month later, they get to race them again. Is there a club that has been showing up at San Diego Crew Classic year after year after year that stands out in your mind as maybe exemplifying what the Classic is all about? I do think about the colleges. So I think about like Cal and the University of Washington are the two that come into my head. You know, University of Washington has been competing since the first one. Cal, I was going through pictures recently and there's so many pictures of them winning at the regatta, men or women. So I think that the two of them, I would say, I think that they are indicative, different, you know, in that, you know, one, maybe the men's team shows up more than the women's and the other, the women's team more than the men. But in general, I think they're both good. I also think about our local teams because Mission Bay is home to a really pretty large rowing population. We have the two rowing clubs. Slack obviously was really instrumental in the founding of the regatta because Patty Wyatt was a member there. And they had entries in the first regatta and then were really successful in, in the early years of the regatta as well in the win, women's events. And then SDRC always just like comes in with, you know, tons and tons of entries, just so much support from the club and, and excitement about the regatta and, and interest in participating in a multiple events, both on the men's and women's and the youth side. But then we have our two, um, well, three, technically SDSU is a club program now, but um, UCSD and USD, I think, have some pride of ownership of it being sort of like their really big home regatta and the support that they offer us is sort of like logistically and behind the scenes, just being kind of part of the local crew is also really great. And it's really important for us that they're part of our family and our community and that, you know, we take care of them and they help take care of us as well. So those are the groups that I kind of think of. I think Bobby is right as, as well. Um, but our local group, the Mission Bay family, is is also pretty major. One thing I wanted to ask you about was how does this event happen? Every event like this, they're massive events. And so it's volunteers, it's paid staff. Is, a, is it a combination of all those things? Are there opportunities for people heading to San Diego that they could volunteer while they're there for their regatta? We would love that. Anyone who volunteers gets into the regatta for free. I mean, I guess if you're you're entered and, and racing, you're already into the regatta. So maybe that's not appealing, but maybe you're coming to watch and support somebody who is racing. If you want to get in for free, throw us some volunteer hours on one of the days and you're in for the regatta for the rest of the weekend. We would love that. Um, I think that's a super cool opportunity for any parents or any other supporters that might be coming in to watch their kids race is to do a little bit of volunteer stuff. And then you get to just hang out with your kid for the rest of the weekend. Like be the person at the finish line with the flag, you know, do that thing. That's a pretty cool volunteer job for a dad. I love that. Is there okay. a name for that person, the flag person, <laughs> the finish line flag? Finish spirit? line flag, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, finish line flag waiver. But to speak to kind of your original question, the first and most important thing that I want to put out there, how does the regatta happen? We plan the regatta for an entire year. I want everyone to know we don't start planning the regatta like in February. We're working on stuff behind the scenes, whether it's permits or contracts or 
getting people reserved to be vendors or, you know, figuring out our, our, our tent layouts and stuff like that. We're doing that all the time. So I think there's a, maybe a misconception in the rowing community that we're not thinking about you as a competitor or you as a vendor or you as some other participant at the regatta until like February. We're, that's not true. We're thinking about you all the time. And similarly, <laughs> if you want to be a vendor or a rower, you need to be thinking about the crew classic starting in April of 2023. You need to be thinking about 2024. We would love that. <laughs> I've been on the end of the conversation when my team realizes we were too late to get into the crew classic. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's really when you and your team get together, you need to have it on your team meeting, like agenda in July, you know, because you need to be deciding, do we want to put for in the sure. money and the time and the for training sure. for this? Because it comes and out it, of the gate really fast if it's an, if at an April 1st regatta. Absolutely. And it really depends on what your goals are for the regatta too. Um, you know, we've touched on adding the master's quad for the first time this year. Our women's quad entry sold out within like a week when mm-hmm. we opened registration. I'm not so, surprised. Yeah. I mean, which is amazing. And we were so excited to see that. That's like such a cool thing to have that response. Cause we were like, should we add this? Okay. We're going to add it. And then people were like, yes. And like really embraced it. Um, but like, if that's an event that you really want to get into, yeah, you need to have it on your calendar and like, be ready to pull the trigger on it. And same goes for just a lot of the other stuff that's behind the scenes too. It's a really, really big event that we need to do a lot of really thoughtful planning for. So we're working our butts off pretty much all the time. (laughs) And I will say for anyone out there who wants to get involved in this is a race right around the corner for the parents. They know it, it is a really great opportunity for you to volunteer. A lot of our volunteer positions don't require an extensive amount of knowledge in rowing. So if you have a freshman or a sophomore, you know, you finally have that opportunity to go to, uh, a, you know, your husband's, your wife's son's daughters, regatta, like definitely like sign up for that volunteer shit, like get involved. Um, because it is truly a family sport and it's never too late to start rowing. Um, if you're a parent and you want to get into master's programs, multiple, uh, rowers that I've worked with there, they got into rowing when their sons and daughters were in college. So, definitely come out um, while, while we spend all year planning, we definitely want you to, to jump on that volunteer wagon, like, you know, same day, sign up right now, listening to this and you just get on the website, San Diego crew classic, and there's a tab at the top and, uh, and join, join the team. So in all this planning in all this planning that you've been doing, you know, this is a big one. This is a 50th anniversary. Do you have any special celebrations happening? We have a massive president's dinner going on on Friday night that more people have been invited to than ever before. It's just a taco party. I'm sorry if if anybody's listening and they didn't get an invite. I'm so sorry. (laughs) There's also like a new VIP enclosure for Sunday for people. So there's some things that are that are exciting. We're going to have the 1974 California State University Long Beach crew, men's crew, their lightweight eight that won is going to come back and row the last 500 meters of the course so that they can receive the the trophy that now exists that didn't exist back then. So there's some fun things going on besides, you know, all the other incredible racing. We also have a special history tent that will be designated as a place for people to come and learn about the history of the regatta, see all of the old memorabilia and photos and oh my god there's this amazing video that just got yanked out of the the mission bay aquatic center 
archives. It was an old film reel that someone found from the 1974 regatta, which is the second regatta. And you guys would not believe how cool this footage is. Like it is just like such a wonderful little like glimpse into that time capsule era of like what rowing looked like and what rowing fans looked like during that time and how different like the landscape of Mission Bay and San Diego all looked at that time. It is really cool. And someone just pulled that out of the archives and sent it to us like a week or two ago. And we oh. were just like, it actually made me a little like emotional when I was watching it. Cause I was like, this is so cool. Like what a unique and special find this was that, and that they shared it with us. How cool. You know, what would be really neat in that history tent is if somehow you could do recordings of people's stories. This is top of mind for me right now, because as an aside, I'm doing some work for the Sports Car Club of, of America Foundation, and they just launched the, um, they're calling it their Legacy Stories Initiative. And they're getting people to tell their stories of the last, you know, 50 years of the SCCA. If you could have somebody walk into that history tent and tell stories about, you know, their first time there or their best memories, man, that'd be awesome. Well, maybe Rachel like, and I, you and I should go next year and we'll set up a little podcast story booth and we'll. We should. That'd be I awesome. <laughs> I need some, you I need guys some beach should. time. We, we, would love, we would love to we have you love guys. That. Don't try to call me in February to get your tent though. That's all I'm saying <laughs> is make sure we have a conversation before March. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. We are going to have a memory book for people to put oh. their favorite memory into because we're going to have a capsule this year that is going to be opened at the 75th regatta so cool. we're going to put everybody's stories in that it's not a video we talked about the video but we thought it might not hold up well we don't know so there will be a memory book very cool well this has been great. You guys are amazing. We wish you the best of luck. We know you're in the thick of the planning right now. So really appreciate you taking the time away from all the phone calls and the details that you're trying to get to. This is going to be a great episode and we're so excited to celebrate the 50th anniversary with you. Okay. All right. Well, this has been great. Thank you for spending some time. Thank you for telling us about your rowing histories and the history of San Diego Crew Classic. And uh, wish we were going to be out there this year, but maybe next year. Yeah, absolutely. You're always yeah. welcome. Thank you. All right. Have a great week and uh, good luck with the final details. Thanks so much, you guys. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. To see photos of Bobby, Megan, and Lex, and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Listen to more episodes about everything from indoor rowing to rowing across oceans. Search our podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics, or listen on your favorite podcast app. Rachel, I think some misters might not know Steady State is more than a podcast. So much more, Tara. We get together live on Instagram for coffee chat every Friday morning at 8 a.m. West, 11 East. We talk about rowing, racing, and technique, and deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership. And because sometimes we all need buddies to help get us through long workouts on the ERG, we lead 60-minute virtual workouts one Sunday morning each month. Sign up for our next workout at steadystatenetwork.com slash Sunday. This episode was written, produced, hosted, and edited by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Tara provides additional audio engineering and is our sponsor coordinator. 
And Rachel manages our website and social media. Our theme music is by Jonas Hipper. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and we run successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, designing unique rowing gear for individuals, clubs, and events. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Steady State Network, Seize the Oar, and RowSource. Catch new episodes of Steady State Podcast every other weekend, anywhere you get podcasts. That's all for today. In two, way enough. That's one, two.